Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Risk Nation, thank you for tuning in. My name is Ahmed Manawar. Welcome to another installment of Ask RiskWise with Defender of Common Sense. You gotta gotta let me finish. I was hoping to cut you off. Defender of Common Sense, Mr. Saeed Ali. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Thank you for joining us once again. Great to be here. We've got a good question today. Great, great question. Last episode, we talked about going all in on debt. I think it was yes. actually a couple of episodes ago, but we, if you may have noticed, we're talking a lot about debt these days. And we did a we did a whole thing about how you know if you're serious about debt and you're sincere in your intention to get out of debt, you got to go all in. There's right. no there's no one foot in. There's no half in. You got to go all in and really commit yourself to the cause if you want to get out of debt as fast as possible and stay out of debt. Which begs the question: What does that mean? Mm-hmm. How do you go all in? And so we're going to offer some some kind of practical tips to help you define that and also tell you a couple of stories of people that went all in. Right. So first of all, I would say, say, the, the, the first suggestion I would have for people is to find a way to realign their wants and their needs. Mm-hmm. I think the problem and is that and their habits. Yeah, because the problem is that most people think that they need everything that they have. Uh, but they're really conflating wants and needs and luxuries and all these kinds of things. And yeah, the only sure. way that I can think of to realign what you actually need and to separate out the wants and the luxuries from that is to go on a money fast. Right. And that's to just stop spending money for a set amount of time. I would say 30 days is a, is a good amount of time to really let this thing take, it cor- take its course. So you'd actually just not spend any money. For 30 days and I mean no money so that means you buy your groceries for the month in advance you you buy your bus pass in advance yeah. you um, you you do whatever you have to do to prepare yourself but you don't spend any money for 30 days now for somebody like me that drives a lot how do I deal with needing to fill up gas I would buy a prepaid gas card oh wow like I've in 30 days is I mean if, if that is a number that you can shoot for and that's practical I mean you'll see amazing results in your checking account for sure uh, I think it's very easy to go every week and spend zero dollars for five out of seven days like no gas no food no nothing uh, for five out of seven days consistently long term I think that's actually a pretty achievable uh, thing to do at the end of the day, the reason we want you to do this is because spending money is a habit for most people. It's not something that you need to do. It's just you don't even think twice about it. And we should think twice about it if you're in a lot of debt. Uh, dollars that comes out of your wallet should be something that you give really long, hard th- uh, thoughts to rather than it just being you know, automatic. And if you go on a money fast, if you make that dedication that I will not spend money on this many days or for these days – you won't spend money. And it, you. And as Ahmed said, I think you'll quickly realize that the baseline number of amount of spending that you have doesn't need to be as high as it is. Yeah, and it sounds extreme, but it's extreme on purpose, right? Because you have to go to these kind of extreme measures and really push yourself to break some of those financial habits and then come to realize what you actually do need. 
Because over the course of those 30 days or seven days or whatever, but I would push you to do it for 30 days. <laughs> over the course of that time, you're going to really start to realize, you know, what you really miss, what you really can't live without. And it'll probably be a lot, a lot less than you thought. There'll, be, there'll yeah. probably be fewer things than you thought. There will be a lot of things that you think you need right now that after having gone through the process, you realize, you know what? It, it, I really didn't miss it that much. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal. Like the goal of this exercise is to get you to realign your needs and your wants. Mm-hmm. And your baseline spending will come down. And anybody that I've asked to do this or anybody who I've heard have done this, they've realized and they've recognized that the amount of money that they spend every day for the last however many years has just been needless and they don't think about it, don't care about it. And doing something like this um, has really realigned what their goals are. And there's actually uh, a good story out there about this. Yeah, well, uh, you know it better, I think. Yeah, uh, the one of the, the people who works with Green High Five, I believe she has a blog and a course as well, um, Asia, uh, her, I, we know her because uh, she's the, the, the wife of one of our, our very good friends. She went on a 200-day fast of spending, not the same way that we're talking about of spending zero dollars. She went 200 days without buying anything new. So there is a blog that she has, 200 days of nothing new. If you search that, you'll find her or you go into our show notes. We have a link uh, to her blog. 200 days of nothing new meant that for 200 days that she wasn't going to buy anything that was bought brand new from a store. If, if something that she really, really needed, she would try and make it herself or buy it used somewhere. And this came from a very interesting place because I've seen and felt this myself. So uh, unfortunately, her father had passed away. Um, and after that fact, uh, her and her siblings had to, you know, clean out, uh, his belongings and figure out what to do with the stuff that her father had owned. And I know I went through this with my mother-in-law when she sold her house, um, really nice, big house, five bedroom place that was full of stuff and she had to downsize. I kind of went through this as well, where when you're cleaning out a parent's home who have, has accumulated stuff over a lifetime you realize how much useless stuff there is. Mm. I mean, we rented a bin, you know, one of those big garbage bins that you can rent and then they take away and they take it to the dump. And it's really sad. So much stuff went in that bin. Stuff, like just straight up stuff that, you know, uh, my mother-in-law forgot she owned that um, Asiya's father had and really didn't have any use for. And it really opened her eyes and it opened my eyes as well. So I, I, I really... Um, recognize and empathize with the story because I've went through it as well. And it really changed me and my habits when I went through this with my mother-in-law. So when she went through the, the habit, the, the process of cleaning out all of her father's stuff, she just realized how much stuff there is that's needless, that's meaningless, that, you know, she came uh, to this conclusion, not from a financial perspective like I did. She came to this conclusion from a straight up, you know, environmental consumerism perspective. Mm. All this stuff was being uh, manufactured and purchased and packaging, um, you know, all this shipping stuff gets made in China and shipped over here and shipped over there. I mean, every T-shirt that you own has traveled the world three times because where the cotton is grown to where it's spun into thread to where material is made to where it's cut and sewn to where it ends up being consumed are all different places in the world. And that's a lot of energy, a lot of uh, carbon dioxide emissions, a lot of straight up needless consumption that occurs in the world. So she, after doing that whole cleaning process, she just decided, no, I really don't need to add to this 
cacophony of purchasing and consumption. I know you love that word. <laughs> word of the day. Well, no, that was an old word of the day, right? You I know. Used that before. We did it. We did. So you need to, you need to come up with something better next time. Uh, all right. Yeah, well, well. Um, so she went on this fast for 200, 200 days, nothing new. And it really resonated with many, many people. And she's uh, got a full-time blog and a course about this because it does from a, a, an environmental perspective, it makes so much sense. And from a financial perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the dark side of consumerism that we just don't talk about nearly enough. As Muslims, I agree. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Muslims for sure. I, but I think in general, just the idea that every time you buy something new, first of all, that was probably made by a child. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, right? It's you know, if it's, you don't know any better, if you don't know the, the difference, it was probably made by a child. Unfortunately, um, yeah. In in terrible working conditions, um, and if you can buy ethical, you should buy ethical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but even if it's ethically bought, it's eventually going to end up in a landfill. Yeah. Eventually, right? Like, like where else would it go? Yeah. Like, we can't burn it. That's bad for the. That's bad for greenhouse gas emissions too, right? We can't. Most things are not recyclable. Even the things that you recycle, a lot of that ends up in a landfill anyways once it's sorted. Right. So, you know, when you think through the cost of that, that who's making it is it ethically made, and then where is it going to end up in the end? Like, we've got to put it somewhere. And we, you know, one of the best things you can do is go and visit a landfill. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's really eye opening. I went the I went like a couple of months ago to um to dispose of like some gravel and stuff that we had that you can only dispose of at the at the landfill, and just you know driving around and seeing large piles of garbage just sitting there, it really makes you think mm-hmm. about reducing waste because it's not going anywhere else. That's that's it. It's just gonna chill there for the next couple centuries. And it's like you know. 10 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. And then when that gets full, like, we got to find another place to dig a hole and put garbage into and let it sit there. So there's some really good uh, lessons to be learned from, from her blog. And so we'll link to that uh, in the show notes. And so, then we had this other recent story that was perfectly timed for us. Yeah, I think. Sean Cooper. So just, just to, to reiterate before we get into Sean Cooper, the goal here is to get you to go all in so that you can discover what you're really capable of. Mm-hmm. So the stories that we're telling you, they may sound extreme, and they are extreme, and we're not suggesting that you go to those extremes. What I am suggesting is that you do the money fast, you know, for however long you can do it for, and you realign what your needs and your wants are, and you come to understand what you can really live without and what you really need. Mm-hmm. Based on that, you settle into a longer-term routine until you pay down your debt. Mm-hmm. And and this can be applied to people that are not in debt. Let's say you have like a financial goal. I mean, Sean Cooper's story that we're going to tell, it's, it is debt, but it's not something he had to do. It's something he chose to do to achieve a financial goal, which was to pay off his mortgage. Yeah. So this can be applied to anything. There'll be certain, there'll certainly be a lot more motivation if it's a debt that you have to pay off. Um, but it can be applied to other scenarios as well. So why don't you tell us about Sean Cooper? Uh, so... Uh, Sean uh, is 30 years old. Uh, back when he was 27, he bought a house for $425,000 and he had a $255,000 mortgage on it, which, you know, by most standard financial metrics, that's a pretty safe mortgage on a, a house of that size, of that cost. Uh, but he decided, you know, he does not want to spend the next 30 years of his life digging himself out of this mortgage like most people do, right? It takes a lifetime to pay off a mortgage in most cases. He wants to get this mortgage paid off as soon as possible and as quickly as possible. So he went all in to the max, like ultra all in on this. So he bought the house at 
27. Now, uh, at 30, so three years later, he has that entire mortgage, $255,000 mortgage paid off. Now, I want everybody to just take a look at your situation that you have. If you're struggling with debt and you have debt to pay off, how much do you have? How much do you owe? Here's a guy that did 200, more than a quarter of a million dollars paid off in three years. I hope that makes your situation not seem so terrible and hopefully makes it look and feel accomplishable because I think it is. So what he did is he went like all in like crazy. So he bought this, the house that he bought, he chose to live in the basement of this house and rent the rest of it, the top floors, because he knew he could make more money by renting the top of the house than the basement. So he's living in the basement. He's single. He has no kids. Um, so for him, it's a, a little bit easier or quite a bit easier. He works as a full-time pension analyst, but he also took on a part-time job at a grocery store uh, as a butcher. He's he's vegetarian, so imagine that. Uh, but he did it because you know it was money that made that helped to pay off the mortgage. And on top of that, you know when he wasn't working those two jobs, he was a freelance writer in financial freelance financial writer online. So when he wasn't working his two jobs, he was writing articles, getting gigs, you know, getting paid for online work. There's a really good lesson there, too, if I could just go on a tangent and a bit of a rant. Yeah. What he didn't do when he needed the extra money is he didn't say, oh, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to buy a franchise. I'm going to I'm going to try to make money online, make which, money is like, online. which is like which is like. You know where I'm going with this, right? Which is what most people do, right? They try to get 50,000 Muslim likes to build their Muslim enterprise, whatever. <laughs> or, day, or day trade. I hear that too. Or Yeah, exactly. Right? Whatever that means. So he didn't do all that. He asked himself, look, what is, what is the quickest path to getting um, extra money in my account? And in his case, it was financial writing. I mean, he like, I mean, I think he works in finance, and he probably can write well. And you know, people are always looking for freelance writers. That's that's a relatively straightforward gig to get um, if you can produce a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a business. It's not going to make him a million dollars. It's not going to be something that he can that that he'll want to do over the long term, most likely. But it made him money when he needed it. Absolutely. And then he got a job at a butcher, which is you know very modest income, thirteen dollars an hour, mm-hmm. but you know, he had the time and that was guaranteed and stable income. So mm-hmm. when you're in these kind of situations, it's tempting to kind of be like, oh, I just I need to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and, and when you have that mindset, when you want to make a lot of money, then you go down these various paths that that may be worthwhile paths if you have the time and the risk appetite. And but, the skills and the skills. But when you've got to pay down debt and you've got to pay it down right away and you can't afford to take on risk and, and, and you don't have a long timeline, then you need guaranteed money as fast as possible, even if it's less than what you'd like. Mm-hmm. And so there's that one side of the earning, but then there's the other side of the spending. So, you know, yeah, he rented his income. He rented his top floor. He's working three jobs. But he also made sure he did not spend money on anything needless at all. So he, for three years, just over three years, he didn't take any vacations. He doesn't own a car. Uh, he biked to work every day. And I don't know why this was mentioned specifically in the uh, article as though this is strange, but he took his lunch to work every day. He brown bagged his lunch. And I, was, I read that sentence and I thought, is that not, I guess that's weird. Like, why is that even mentioned? I think it's strange. To take your lunch to work? I don't know. I haven't really worked in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, what I mean by that is, 
um, in, in like a, you know, like a really formal corporate office environment. Right. But I don't remember taking my lunch very often when I did. Yeah. And I think that's the norm and it shouldn't be, you know, he uh, recognized that that is a way that people spend a lot of money and he chose not to. He was not going to go out for lunch. He was going to take his lunch to work, which I think should be the default, really. I mean, especially if you're if you have debt and you're struggling with debt or you have financial goals that you're trying to accomplish. One of the easiest ways to spend money needlessly is going out to lunch every day. So he took his lunch to work. He made his own uh, dinner. I mean, he went extreme and he said that Kate and Kraft dinner was his best friend, which I wouldn't recommend doing that. But, uh, you know, he really like 100 percent, 110 percent all in on paying off this mortgage. And he did both sides of the equation, did everything he could to make more money and did everything he could to ensure he didn't spend money. And I think there's this kind of like misconception that people have that eating healthy somehow is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he ate craft dinner, and yeah, I mean that's that's probably cheaper than eating healthy. <laughs> yeah, I don't suggest you do it, but you know, eating healthy does not have to be expensive. And I think there's documentaries on this that I've yeah, seen. absolutely. I think, I think even Jamie Oliver did something on this. Yes, um, in the UK with the school lunches, right? Yeah, they were feeding the kids all this nonsense, and and the argument was that it's cheaper. And he went out to prove that you could actually give the kids healthy lunches at school, and it would be cheaper than what they were currently paying. And, oh yeah, and he successfully proved that. So he's d- changed. He's changed that kind. Of like the food system for kids, I think Jamie Oliver has a huge part role to 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 play in a massive revolution that's un, being under, undergone right now in institutional food production. Like both at schools, and I'm hearing about him in hospital settings. That you know the teachings that he's brought to the school system, systems going to the hospitals too. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, I think what I will say about food is you know like like Said mentioned first of all, eating out needs to go. Like there's like just no straight up, yeah. And because it's bad for your wallet and it's bad for your health, yeah. right? Like the stuff that they put in prepared foods, salt content, sugar content, it's it's oil, oils. It's and I'm not, re- yeah, we're not just talking about McDonald's. Like that's obvious. I mean, if you're Indian and you like Indian food and you take Indian takeout or Thai or Chinese or whatever, if the the the, the food that you make at home looks nothing like the food that is made in those restaurants, they're going for taste. Yeah. So. While if you made a dish and you would be conservative in how much butter and oil and salt and sugar you put into that dish at a restaurant, they don't care. They want you to come back. They want you to love the taste of their food. It's definitely not made to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, if you take that out of your budget, I would argue you could, you could eat very healthy at home by preparing food on your own and still spend a lot less than you're otherwise paying eating out. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if we have time, but there's some. About four practical takeaways from Sean's story. Yeah, go for it. First and foremost, you know, as you progress in your career, as you move from being a student to working, fight the inherent desire that you will have to increase how much you spend on your regular lifestyle. And we've talked about this before, baseline spending. When people make more, they spend more. Mm. Every single time, unless they put conscious effort into combating that, that lifestyle inflation. So if you make more money, if you rent your basement, if you decide to do something to increase your income, or if your income is increasing naturally through your career, fight the desire to increase your lifestyle to go with it. If you do that, you won't be getting ahead in any way, especially if you have debt or if you want to achieve financial goals. So fight that lifestyle inflation. The second thing, and I think this is easy and kind of obvious, but not very many people recognize this as being a a step to take, Pay for stuff, the important things, the day that you get paid. So if you have debt that you need to get rid of and you know how much you earn every 
uh, bi-weekly paycheck or every monthly paycheck or however often you get paid, figure out, as we said last time, how much you need to pay down on your debt and pay it right away. The day that you get paid, you can set it up on your bank account. Let's say you get paid bi-weekly and you've calculated that you can afford $450 uh, uh, to be paid down on debt. Set it up through your bank. Automatic bill payment, $450 every two weeks so that every time you get paid, that money comes straight out and goes towards that debt that you don't have to think about it. And we've talked about decision fatigue before. And if you have to make this decision every time, every two weeks after a long day of work, it's probably not going to get done. So match that payment to your payday and automate it as much as possible. Number three is, you know, the big three things that you're spending money on, that everybody spends money on is housing, transportation, and food. Now, this guy, Sean, he obviously took a very uh, hardcore perspective on his housing, you know, bought a house but lived in the basement. And not every, I recognize that not everybody's going to make such a big, drastic change to their housing situation. To their at, least, situation. at least he didn't move into a tiny house. At least he didn't move back to his parents' house. Yeah. Which, you know, is a, is a very real reality for many people when they fall in on hard times is that they got to move back in with their parents, you know, married with kids even. So, you know, if you're in financial uh, situation right now with a lot of debt, don't wait till it gets to that point where you have to move back in with your parents to make a big housing decision if that's what's needed, if that's what you're spending most of your money. Make that decision earlier and, and find a better way to, uh, you know, to reduce the amount that you spend on those big three. But if housing, changing your housing is too difficult of a thing to do and not practical for you, then do the other two, transportation and food. Do you really need a car? Can, you know, if, if you're married and you, you guys have two cars, do you really need both? How often is the cars that you own sitting stationary in a parking spot? Studies show upwards of 95%. Is it possible to figure out a way to carpool with your spouse, with your with coworkers, take public transit, bike, as Sean did? And in, in case, uh, you, you know, we don't click on the links, which I hope you do, Sean's in Toronto, Canada. He biked to work. In Canada, with the snow, I mean, you know, there are. Okay, you're, some... you're just you're just reinforcing all the stereotypes. It's not like cold and snowing here all the time. <laughs> it's like it's like a couple of months a year, but yes, it yeah. does get cold, and and I'm sure he biked those couple of months, or at least took public transportation. Yeah, so transportation is a big cost. You own a car, car insurance, the car payments, the uh, uh, maintenance, refueling, all that kind of stuff. Uh, cars are expensive. If you can cut it down, great. Food is the other one, right? Like it's just so it's such a no-brainer to be making your own food. It's better for you, better for your wallet. It's all kinds of good. Yes, it means taking extra time, but it can be fun. I mean, I think cooking is fun now. Fourth, once you get used to making coffee at home with good coffee, oh my god, yeah, you will not be able to drink coffee shop coffee and, and for and for me it's both reasons ahmed is a coffee connoisseur so he's got these super hyper taste buds for quality coffee I, i'm not that fancy um but i can make a very very good cup of espresso at home for less than 10 percent of the cost of buying it from starbucks or any of those coffee shops and to me it's like whenever you know people say hey you want to go for coffee i think you know why I can make it better for pennies. Anyways, not to belabor that point. Food is a big deal. Fourth, last thing, the very easy practical step to take is once you've paid off debt, don't go back into debt. It seems obvious, but it's not. If you have credit card debt, 
it's we call that revolving credit because you can get out of it and go back into it like a revolving door. That's how it's designed. That's how banks make their money. That makes it easy for you to be in debt. So if you're paying off credit cards, shred the credit card or tuck it away in a sock drawer. Give it to your mom to hold on to to make sure that you never use it unless you know some major emergency. Get rid of it some way, shape, or form. Once you've paid off the debt, don't shoot yourself in the foot and reborrow. Whether that's reborrowing back on your credit card, or if you're fighting to pay off your mortgage and your house, don't go back into a secured line of credit and you know put twenty thousand dollars down onto your mortgage and then you know you put in a pool and you open up a line of credit and you take twenty thousand dollars back out to put in a pool. I've seen that specific example actually. So don't reborrow once you've paid it off. You know, whenever we sit down to record an episode and we look at it and we say, look, we've only got a few points to make. This should be like 10 minutes tops. Yeah, where are we at? Then 15, 20 minutes later, we're upwards of 25, 26 minutes. And it feels like we're talking to each other and no one else is listening. Uh, I hope not. So I thought, let's let's do another test. Uh, we got a lot of red pandas from that episode on budgeting. Yeah, we did. Where we, we kind of went on and on about budgeting. I mean, if you listen to it, you'll know what I'm talking about. We went really, really, you know, like deep into the topic and probably bored most people. But some people actually ended up finishing the episode. And we know that because at the very end of it, we said, if you're still listening, if you're still with us, send us an email, the team at riskwise.com. Uh, and in the subject line, put red panda. So this time, we have to have a different code word. That's your domain. Red Panda was your idea. Um, uh, man, I wish I had thought about this before. I'm going to go with something lame. The only thing that's in my head right now is Blue Octopus. I don't know why. So that's, that's the code word. That's really lame. But okay, sure. Blue Octopus. Um, and if, if you're still listening, if you're with us, just drop us an email, team at riskwise.com, Blue Octopus. We should have like a, a prize or something. I know. We really should. Hey, how about this? Your question, if you put in blue octopus as a subject line and you have a question that you want to ask, you'll, you're, you will jump to the head of the line. Your Guaranteed. Question. Yes. Sounds so how's good. that for a reward? Any question. Anything's on the table. It can be irrelevant and we'll still answer it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah, now we're going to get some good questions. <laughs> All right, Saeed. Anything to add? No, man. I'm good. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum.